What is up, everyone? Welcome to episode 38 of the Devil's Advocate for Self-Defense podcast. Hey, everyone. Uh, as I said before, we're still doing debate shows, and here's the proof. This is the debate show. So this week we have a good friend of mine on the show, Ace Johnson. Ace is has been doing self-defense combatives martial arts at a very high level for a very long time. I'm very excited to have him on the show because uh, we've been trying to get this working for a long time between his touring schedule, my touring schedule, me being flaky on some stuff. We just, we didn't get around to it. So I'm really excited to finally have this discussion with Ace. So before we get to him, you might be a fan of Ace's and you might not know who the hell I am. So I need you to understand the premise of this show. The name of the show is The Devil's Advocate for Self-Defense Podcast. And in that, what it means is my job as the host is to find a topic and then pick that topic apart to try and find the gray area in a lot of these things. I found the world is very one way or the other, and a lot of stuff exists in shades of gray. So the point of this podcast is to have open discussions in a healthy environment without toxicity and social media shaming and all that stuff in order to just help you the listener create your own thought process on these things so just because uh, ace is an expert quote unquote i'm an expert quote unquote doesn't mean you have to listen to us verbatim we want you at least i do for sure to make your own thoughts on these things the more people thinking about this the better it gets so how the show works very simply is ace and i have decided on a topic ahead of time we've also decided what side of that topic we are going to debate we are debating this, not arguing this. And so what I mean by that is we are going to be having a discussion where we're just trying to prove our side of the debate. We're not trying to prove uh, emotional v validity. We're not trying to say that everything I think is right, everything you think is wrong. We're not doing our own opinions or feelings on this. We're just trying to logically debate our side of the topic we've chosen. So in order to facilitate this, we have a couple of rules in place. So rule number one is we start as friends, we leave as friends. I've known Ace for a very long time. I would hate that uh, 20 minute debate makes us not friends and we block each other on social media. That would be ridiculous. So we start as friends, we leave as friends, we keep the debate as civil as possible. Number two is there are 15, one, five logic fallacies that I've sent ahead of time. If myself or my guest is caught in one of these logic fallacies and they get called out on it, it's their job to pause, take a deep breath, <sighs> taking a page right out of Rory Miller's conflict communications book. Then they're going to apologize for using whatever fallacy they used. Hey, Ace, I'm sorry I was using circular logic there. Then we're going to throw a compliment their way. I love your haircuts. I think I could balance a book on it, right? So then we throw a compliment out. We're good to go. Then we move on. We also secede our turn in the debate. If you want to know what those 15 logic fallacies are that we're using, there are definitely more fallacies out there. If you want to know the 15 that we're using for the show, jump onto episode one of the debate show and I walk out all of the fallacies there. If you, the listener, catch us in a fallacy that we did not catch, send me the minute it occurred. If I can't debate my way out of it being a fallacy with you, then I will promote whatever you want me to promote on all of my social media. So we've had a couple people catch us. Paul Donnelly from KPC Halifax caught us on one and Nick the Knife from the Nick the Knife YouTube channel, which is board games and cooking. He also caught us on one. So there's the shout outs for you guys for catching us, uh, catching myself on these fallacies. Uh, hopefully you other people catch us. So you get free advertising. You'll see it on my Instagram, my Facebook, etc. So all of that talking done. 
the show is 20 minutes long for free, then there is a, if you want to pay $5 a month for final thoughts, we're going to have a extended conversation with our actual thoughts and feelings after the show. So that's how the show works, everybody. I'm going to stop talking for two seconds. Ace Johnson, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Uh, I run a company called Delta 2 Alpha. Um, I've trained uh, probably for a little more than 20 years, seriously, and before that, uh, off and on. I met you back in, that would have been like 2003. Yeah, can we call it Ot3? Yeah, we can, for sure. It sounds cool. <laughs> it, it, it sounds retro. It's nice and old-timey. Um, I grew up in a place that was about 35 to 40,000 people where the drink, fuck, fight, and play cards. And right. I, my exposure to that was before I got really serious into training martial arts. So that's kind of tempered everything that I've seen. Um, in addition to that, I travel around, uh, whether it's three days, three weeks, three months, uh, going into other countries um, or wherever it is. And I do that with, uh, with about 30 liters of stuff. Um, mm -hmm. So going through and being, uh, being strong, being healthy, um, and staying kind of on point becomes a little bit more uh, difficult with that but it's even more important. Right. Awesome. So uh, the uh, Ace will tell you at the end of the show where to find all of his stuff. I highly recommend his uh, Instagram channel. He has a bunch of cool products and stuff that hopefully he'll talk about. Uh, hopefully he will now, especially now they mentioned it. But let's get into the actual debate. So the debate we're having today is, is strength and conditioning important for self-defense? Is that correct, Ace? That's correct. Awesome. And what side of this debate are you taking? Um, I can do either one, but uh, I'm very pro strength and conditioning makes everything better. So uh, I'll take that one. Awesome. Which then leaves me on the devil's advocate side of saying for this debate that I do not believe that strength and conditioning are important for self-defense. So how, again, how the show works is we have a 20 minute open debate. The first four minutes are aces. He gets to decide how this conversation is going to be had. So if you are ready, I'm going to start the clock uh, in a second. When I say now the clock will start and you have up to four minutes to uh, open up this debate and go. So my argument is that strength and conditioning uh, will make everything better. Um, anyone that's ever been in a, uh, in a high-stress situation where it's, it's anything more than a, a grade school shoving match definitely wants, uh, is, is definitely come out of that wishing that they were stronger and better conditioned. Um, how, right, how much we can deadlift. If, if you can deadlift twice your body weight, the likelihood of you being able to move another body is definitely there. Uh, you being able to do... Uh, 10 burpees, which is moving your own body through space, is, is going to help you move your body through space in which fighting is a very dynamic aspect. So when, when it is we're looking at self-defense or, or MMA or, or just physicality in general, athletic pursuits, the advantage is always going to go to the person that can more easily and dynamically move themselves through space as well as move an external object through space, whether that's uh, picking up a stick or a rock or the other person uh, that you're, you're working against is, is that object. So my, my argument is, is that when we're stronger, we're faster, that we're better. Further to that, if we go through and we look at, from a training perspective, my capacity and my athleticism allows me to train more. Mm -hmm. It means that I can do a five-minute round instead of a 30-second because I'm in better shape. 
So my ability to get in more skill work because I am stronger and faster and better able to recover from kind of bout to bout or, or round to round is, is better. So I will improve that way as well. Awesome. That's a great opening statement. So uh, I have to take the other side of the debate. So I'm going to hit a little bit differently. We're going to mostly focus on the self-defense side of things. I, I can't argue that being uh, physically more fit in martial arts or most athletic endeavors is, isn't a better. There's just no way. That's just a dumb conversation. But I can tweak this a little bit for the self-defense side of things. So uh, I'm going to preface my counter on this on two things. Number one, Humans have been taking down larger, stronger, more powerful creatures our entire career as being a species, which means that size and strength isn't necessarily as big of a factor when we can use other options, i.e. ambush, surprise, tools, and numbers. The other thing I want to point out when it comes to this is evolutionarily speaking, according to the research that we have right now, our evolutionary path has always been more neurons over more biceps. It's always been go to an intelligent place over go to a uh, physical place. There's a reason why I think it was refuted, but up until recently, chimps were always seen as being three times stronger, four times stronger than us. They could deadlift more. Um, it's because the amount of power our brain takes in order for us to be human, we had to take away resources from our musculature. So my argument is going to be that for us to get to the top of the food chain, we didn't really need to be stronger. And arguably, if you're looking at physical strength as the equalizer in a self-defense situation where it's already asymmetrical, there isn't going to be a major benefit from that. Ace. Uh, so initially what I'll say is that when skill is equal to the person that is uh, bigger, faster, stronger will mm -hmm. Will will always win. Yeah, um, I agree. Further that. to that, there there's a certain amount of your skill that can be neutralized mm -hmm. just by be me being bigger, faster, stronger, and more athletic. Yep. So my ability to pick you up and dump you on the ground um, mm -hmm. in a dynamic, explosive way, I don't need a lot of techniques to do that, sure. and that can very quickly negate what it is you're able to do. Yeah, I agree with that. And I agree with that on a premise of a symmetrical encounter, but most self-defense encounters are asymmetrical, being the person already has a size and strength advantage. So while you can maybe get it in points a little bit higher and make it less crappy, there's still other areas you can invest that would be more beneficial in an asymmetric situation. Sure. So so let's, let's define asymmetrical. Are we talking about an ambush? Are we talking yeah. about... But, uh, so let, somebody's more skilled and stronger than we are. Yeah, exactly. So what I'm saying is it's asymmetrical in a way that the, the person has showed self-defense, right? So we're not saying, hey, what's up, bro? And we're fighting. It's a it's a situation where you've been selected to be attacked. And the, the person who selected you got to got to stack the cards in their favor, right? Because they're the one who initiates the attack. They initiate the range. They initiate the tools that are used. So I guess we could say it's an ambush, but that's most self-defense situations, right? Most people don't pick a fight they think they're going to lose. So they stack the deck in their favor. Does right. that work? So if yeah. I'm doing, if I'm doing victim selection, I'm probably yeah. not going to look for the guy that's got trapped that started his ears and go out to the side, at the sides of the shoulders. Correct. And then he has cannibals for shoulders. Right. So simply, simply going through and looking at it from a, from a standpoint of victim selection, I'm not looking for the guy that's, that, that looks like he's big and strong. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm looking for somebody that, that looks like they're injured, they're elderly, they're infirm that they're not going to move well and they don't have it in them. And, and I mean, some, somebody who is in shape and moves well 
and looks strong is less likely to wind up in that asymmetrical encounter. Further yeah. to that, if we're looking at it's an ambush, mm -hmm. my ability to deal with a body alarm response, so my heart rate spiking up instantly to 180 or better, I will more easily be able to handle that than somebody that is in not as good of shape. Further to that, when we start getting into the parasympathetic backlash, which is after that adrenaline dump, I'm going to go through and be even better equipped to handle that should there be a repeat encounter. Awesome. So I, can't, I definitely can't argue the parasympathetic backlash portion of that because that makes sense. Uh, repeatability is very important when it comes to training. As you said before, having the ability to train for a five-minute round is always beneficial training for a 30-second round. I still, I'm still saying in this, though, there's going to be people that no matter how much they lift, no matter how strong they get, they're not going to get themselves out of that victim pool. If grandma starts doing steroids tomorrow and can deadlift twice her body weight, that's not going to stop them from being selected. So I just... I don't think that the gains are as necessary in that area, or at least not as toted as people are saying. Right. So her, so grandma's ability to run away from that situation mm -hmm. is going to be better because she was in better shape. Her moving right. well makes her, or be, or better than someone else, makes her less likely to be uh, to be selected. I mean, in in all of this, we're we're dealing with probabilities, right? So it's yes. a roll the roll the dice. I mean, if it's a if it's a six-sided die or the great equalizer, the 20-sided die for all the D&D &D players out there, yeah. um, which, which do we want to be, right? So we're going through and reducing probability, and probability will very rarely be zero, mm -hmm. right? So my ability to go through and, 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 and respond, whether that's running away or mm -hmm. even just make it less like that I'm being selected, um, that will reduce my ability, or, or sorry, the likelihood or the probability that I will have to engage in hard skills. Further okay. to that, if I have to engage in hard skills, I am going to be able to better deal with the stress. I'm going to be able to more easily execute that technique if it is uh, a Three Stooges eye poke or whatever it is. I'm going to be able to do that faster. I'm going to be able to do it more explosively, and I'm going to be able to do it faster, more explosively, more frequently for a greater length of time. Agreed. So let's, I'm going to flip this a little bit on the back because we're kind of, we're not, it's not a logic fallacy quite, but I want to make sure it's not a logic fallacy. We're kind of blank with statementing victim selection. Um, a, a term I like to use is every hunter hunts different. So being in really good shape might actually put you onto a victim list, i.e. if somebody's looking to gain some kind of rep off of you. So while you might be creating armor that makes you invincible in your head, it might only draw people with armor piercing bullets. So it may raise the level of predation you deal with because the predator that selects you is a much more aggressive predator. Also, if you look super in shape and you have like a deterrent factor, then people aren't going to come at you straight. They're going to come at you sideways. It's more likely if they are, to, if you have been selected, that they're going to use multiple opponents, weapons, other things. So it might shoot you in the foot on the other side of the spectrum. Um, it could definitely increase the visibility. And, and I mean, when we talk about strength and conditioning, um, mm -hmm. if, if, we're talking, if we're talking about somebody that is more athletic yep. versus bodybuilding, because sure. simply going through and, and putting on mass, um, mm -hmm. bodybuilding is a very sophisticated method of uh, making yourself unathletic. Yes, right? agreed. So yeah. <laughs> going through and limiting ranges of motion, you make yourself slower. We stop going through, we tend to stop training, uh, 
concerning movements in chains and, start, uh, and, and muscle groups and muscles in chains versus in isolation. Mm-hmm. So if you go through and you're that 300 pound mass monster, monster and you don't move better, right? Like there's not a lot of conditioning that goes along with that. So if right. we're talking about strength and conditioning in a way in which will improve your performance in martial arts, mm-hmm. um, like I, I, I could point out a, a good friend of mine, Adam DeFreitas. Adam mm-hmm. DeFreitas uh, w- uh, was the champion in his weight class at 155, I believe it was, for ACE fighting championships. So at 155 pounds and about six foot, he's not in an imposing looking figure. He mm-hmm. moves well. But right. it's not like it, it's not like you see that guy from across the room. You're like, oh, I'm going to pick him because he looks tough. Right. But because he moves well and he's aware, um, he may be less likely to be selected. Uh, if people did decide to select him, I mean, may God help you. Yeah. Right. He's also a jail guard, and <laughs> right. he's he's used to the uh, the hide the pickle game. What people want to play with him. Sure. That makes sense. And I think so. Like I was just kind of running off of the, I love the reframe on that. I was running off of the example of if you have traps up to your ears, then you're not going to get selected. Uh, but I do like the reframe on how you put that there. That makes a lot of sense. So let, we're talking strength and conditioning. And so we've kind of talked about this in a couple other podcasts, but why this is important is we haven't talked about them together. So what is your definition of a functioning sh- uh, at, in a self-defense situation? What would be your definition of somebody with good strength and conditioning? So as far as the attributes that, that somebody yes. should be looking for? Yeah. Okay. Um, so quite often I, I wind up getting the question, what is, like, what, what can I do to, uh, to, to, to be better? Right. right? And, they're, and people are always looking for a move. And I said, yeah, right. work on your deadlift. And, and, and they're like, what? I'm like, work, like, deadlifts, right? You should be mm-hmm. able to deadlift twice your body weight. And, and, and they're like, but, but like, what else? Um, burpees. Right. Like mm-hmm. you, you should be able to do um, 20 or 30 burpees without stopping. Right. And they're like, okay, but like what else? Well, jumping rope would, would, would be, would be really good. And so yeah. when it goes from, we look at those things, right. The deadlift is you are moving an external load in the strongest mm-hmm. position of your body. And you are right. You're right. Like twice body weight. If you can lift twice your body weight, you're probably going to be able to, uh, be effective when moving somebody else. But from Unless the but from the position right. that you're training, right? Like, do you do you agree or do you disagree with do you perform how you train? I don't see where a deadlift mechanic would function in a dynamic fight unless you're picking somebody up off the ground. Like, where where does that skill set transfer? I don't think. I think if you put more thought process into like uh, evasion awareness, not strength and conditioning, because let's say we have we have to work off the model that there's only X amount of hours that people are going to put into their training, right? Like yourself, myself, there's a lot of people that have unlimited time to train, but most people don't. So casual user of self-defense has X amount of hours a week they can dedicate. Do you think those hours are more important learning how to pick something up off the ground or is it more important learning how to throw a punch or choke somebody, right? Like that's the difference. Right. So when you go through and we look at a deadlift, uh, you can go through and see substantial increases in your deadlift with, uh, less than 30 minutes of a week of training. Interesting. Okay. We'll talk about that. Final thoughts for sure. Okay. But keep going. Right. So we're with the deadlift. We are training the, in the entire posterior chain. Okay. So everything in your body is going to get stronger. Your core is going to get stronger to brace for that load. Your lats are going to get stronger. Your grip is going to get stronger, right? Your right. All of that. 
So the deadlift is an example I mentioned because when when I'm sizing somebody up because I think I'm going to have to deal with it. Yeah. Um, the things that I look at are I look at their fingertip to forearm. Okay. Right. Are their hands thick like a fistful of sausages? Right. I look at how broad they are across the back, mm-hmm. and I look at their ass. And everyone's like, oh, you're a pervert. No, yeah. because we go through and we look at the ability for that person to grab a hold of me and me not to be able to break it. Because the reality of it is, if you are training wrist, like, like being able to break people's grabs, and you have to try to do it against a stonemason or like a carpenter, a guy who's working trades, um, it, might, it might just not work. Yeah. Right. That's so fair. that's one of the things that we look at. Grip strength gets a lot stronger when we're use, when when we're doing this. Um, and, and so we go through and we look at how broad that person is in the back. The deadlifts are going to the, the deadlifts are going to look at that as well. Mm-hmm. Right. We that look at sense. hip drive. Right. So the hip drive is important because uh, and and the person's glutes are important because when that person grabs a hold of you and you can't let go, and that person does a very unsophisticated take a couple. A, a couple, maybe three paces of a sprint towards a wall to blast you into it. Yeah. Um, that's going to become very, very effective. So that deadlift will build all of that. Interesting. Do you and think- you're going to see carryover into, with, with the deadlift, you will see carryover into almost every single type of grappling pursuit. Fair enough. So do you think then, because uh, we're coming, we have a five minutes left in the open debate here. I want to switch it up because all this stuff is really good for final thoughts. So listeners, you're going to get this. Don't worry. It's just not at this point in the conversation. Uh, do you think that, what? so what about the negative restricted conditioning in the fact that it might give you a false sense of security and it might make you take larger risks? So first of all, before I can answer that, I need to know, are we talking about strength and conditioning at the expense of all other training? Yeah, we are. Because we're working conditioning to augment skill set. Yeah, so we're using it as, because uh, again, limited time, limited hours. So we're, right now the debate is, are you strength and conditioning or are you doing other stuff? That's, that's where the debate's lying right now. Okay, so yeah. if you are doing strength and conditioning and carry over into, uh, into sports, say you play hockey, sure. say you're doing rugby. Um, if somebody's doing strength and conditioning and playing rugby, they have more or less everything that they need to be successful in the vast majority of any self-defense situation that come up. That person being able that. to grab a hold of you and blast you into the wall. That person be able to pick you up and throw you. That person be able to just like step and chuck you. Um, going through and looking at a med ball chest pass against uh, uh, chest pass against the wall, you repeat you repeat that same motion without something in your hand. And just hit that sh- hit that blast into somebody's chest, and like we've I, seen it, people's feet will come right up in front of them. I don't disagree, but you're not addressing my question. My question was: Do right. you think with that athletic ability, it puts them into larger risk? There's so much canon in our in our history and our parables and our stories of people becoming big and strong, making a mistake, getting injured and humbling them and becoming better people. So what I'm asking okay. is if they're just strength and conditioning without the auxiliaries, I understand strength and conditioning is functional and you, you, you prove that, okay. but I'm now asking, are they going to put themselves in bigger risks because they know they can slam a human being into the area. Then all of a sudden a knife gets pulled out and shit changes, right? I, I would suggest that the person that is focusing solely on strength and conditioning versus somebody who's focusing solely on, uh, solely on skills, mm-hmm. that after, after six months to a year, that the person is focused solely on strength and conditioning 
is less likely to insert themselves into a situation mm. that they cannot handle. Really? Because it has been my it has been my experience where people like that that person's been training for six months to a year yeah. on skill only has a great deal of delusion about their capability. Interesting. Okay, go on. This is fascinating. Go on. Right. So, yeah. so I have a good idea, and I'm measuring in a quantifiable way that mm-hmm. my deadlift is this, that I'm able right. to do this in, in this period of time, that I'm able to kind of hit the following on the big three, uh, which are your, your squat, your squat dead bench. Yeah. So I know exactly what it is I'm capable of. Mm-hmm. And I'm able to look at somebody and be like, okay, well, like my deadlift is, you know, 405 pounds and that person's maybe 200. I can, I can get a hold of that person. I can move their body. Right. It has been my experience. Mm-hmm. Seeing a lot of people that have focused on skill only at that six months to a year, they've never really worked against somebody that is grabbing a hold of them and giving a lot of resistance. Yeah, so sure. that person has a lot of kind of dojo fantasies that they're going to go <laughs> mall ninja on somebody. Right. And the reality of it is, uh, in a lot of that situation, they're going to get their, their lunch money taken. So if we are talking about the discussion of pure strength and conditioning for a year yeah. versus pure skill set for a year, mm-hmm. uh, I would say that the person who has done nothing but strength and conditioning has less delusions about what they're capable, less fantasies, has a more mm-hmm. realistic uh, understanding of what it is they could do. Really, And really that good. strength and conditioning, when yeah. they do wind up in a situation, um, is going to carry over into that, uh, I, just, I just did whatever happens, right? Like I just, right, right that guy who, I, you know, I just saw red. I just like black up, bro, you know my mentality. <laughs> well, that's like yeah. strength and conditioning purely is going to yeah. carry into that guy's mentality a lot right. better than, than the other thing. That makes a ton of sense. I definitely, so you, you definitely use my tactic against me where you painted it only pure skill. Like, yeah, they would resist, but technically that'd be conditioning. So you're right. Uh, that's an excellent point. We have 30 seconds left in the debate. So I'm just going to run the clock, uh, take a knee here. That was an excellent conversation. I think uh, you really, you spun my thought process at the end there about people taking bigger risks if just pure physical because they know themselves better than the mall ninja type. I didn't think about that far on the spectrum. So excellent point. That brings us to the end of the debate, not the end of the show. So this is the end of the I, debate. I would, I would just like to like to point yes. out for the people that don't get the get the kind of the extra feature that yeah. if you're doing kettlebell swings one handed or two handed or kettlebell snatches, you'll hit everything that the deadlift is hitting, um, and you'll be doing it more explosive way. So kettlebells are also a good option. It's it's the same hip, uh, hip pattern, and yeah. uh, and and winds up having a lot of carryover. So don't think that you need to work solely on that if you're doing kettlebells. Um, you can get a lot of the same benefits. Awesome. And then we're going to have more of this on the final thoughts, which is uh, behind the paywall on Patreon, $5 and officially my only income right now. So please subscribe to the $5 level. I greatly appreciate that. Ace, why don't you tell the people where they can find you? Uh, best way to get a hold of us is on Instagram. You can find me at, at Delta to Alpha Design. That is Delta, D E L T A, the number two. A-L-P-H-A, design, D-E-S-I-G-N. Any fun out there? Awesome. So that's the best place is Instagram? Yeah. And if you guys have any questions about strength and conditioning as it kind of applies to it, um, reach out, send me a DM. Uh, we, have, uh, we have some stuff going on. We have some programs that are geared, to, uh, that are geared towards doing this while you're home or staying in shape while you're traveling. And I'll be happy to answer all your questions about that. And I'd like to point out that um, in a day and age where 
suddenly with this uh, with this plague and no one's leaving their house. Everyone's a workout expert at home and everyone's a motivational life coach from their house. Uh, <laughs> our programming has actually been in existence for for quite a while and it's all it's been tested. So we can we can go through and answer the questions and and tell you that it actually works as well as you can just ask other people. Yeah, and that makes sense too. Like the proof is in the the proof of the puddings and the eating. If you saw Ace in real life, he's a very fit gentleman. He definitely practices what he preaches. Uh, he knows a lot of stuff about this. I can't recommend him enough. So get a hold of him when you can. Uh, we're off to final thoughts. Thank you so much for listening. And don't forget, uh, there's other episodes of other shows coming out all on this channel. Give me your feedback. If you want any guests, tell me who you want on the show. I would gladly book them. This has been another episode of The Devil's Advocate for Self Defense.